The year was 2003. No doubt Sting and Shania Twain had recently headlined the Super Bowl halftime show. Chicago had just won the Oscar for Best Picture. Friends was still king of the cable waves. Wicked debuted on Broadway, and low-rise jeans were all the rage. Ugh, low-rise jeans. Twenty whole years ago, sorry to make you feel old. And in March of 2003, in a highly controversial political move, the United States invaded Iraq. But today, we are not going to debate the merits of invading a country on dubious at best intel. However, we are hopping across a pond or two for a caper that happened on the eve of the Iraqi invasion and involved one billion, yes, billion with a B, dollars. Welcome to Capers and Cocktails, a true crime podcast that doesn't take itself too seriously and gives you something to enjoy while you listen. The following content may be disturbing to some. Discretion is advised. If you're enjoying one of our themed cocktails, ensure you're of legal drinking age and have fun, but drink responsibly. Ficus carica L, commonly known as the fig, originated in northern Asia Minor and spread to the Mediterranean region by way of the Greeks and Romans. Archaeologists have found remains of fig trees in Neolithic sites dating back to 5000 BCE, and figs have been used in culinary things, food, dating back to 2500 BCE as shown in Sumerian stone tablets. It is considered by some historians to be the first of the domesticated crops. Figs were used as a sweetener long before the introduction of sugar and still delight the palate of those chomping down on Fig Newtons, a cookie that's actually been around since 1891. Figs grow best in hot, arid conditions, and for the fruit to ripen, there must be full sun. Despite the fact that I live in Texas, one of the most arid, hot places in the U.S., or at least it feels that way right about now, I could not find figs anywhere. I went to at least four grocery stores, including one Mediterranean grocery store, but... Alas, I ended up getting a bag of dried figs online and that worked out just fine as this drink is delicious. It could be that I love a margarita. Figs are a staple of their Iraqi diet and since we're in Iraq for today's capers and cocktails, a fig margarita it is. To prepare for our fig margarita, you need a little bit of time. You need to cut eight figs or so into small pieces and put a half a cup of sugar and the figs into a closed lidded container. If you can muddle them, do that, or just cut them up like I did and put them into the container straight. Then you'll want to put that container into the fridge for at least 24 hours. The longer it sits, the better the flavor. I had mine in the fridge for about 72 hours. I should say that the fig syrup made enough for two of these drinks, so you can make two. When your syrup is ready to make the cocktail, we're going to take two parts tequila, one half part simple syrup, one part lime juice, one part triple sec, and two parts of that fig syrup and add it to your shaker. We'll shake it up with ice really well and strain into a fresh glass of ice with a sugar or salt rimmed glass. I rimmed my glass with sugar, if you can believe it, and added a fig for garnish. I know, I'm not a sugar girl, but it was nice for this drink. For the mocktail, we're going to take two parts non-alcoholic tequila, one half part simple syrup, one part lime juice, one part orange juice, and two parts of that fig syrup and put it all into a shaker. Shaker like your mama made her and then bougie strain over fresh ice into that sugar rimmed glass. 
The very controversial U.S. invasion of Iraq, also known as the Iraq War or Operation Iraqi Freedom, began on March 19, 2003. Led by the United States, but with support from the United Kingdom and other coalition forces, the rationale for the invasion was largely based on the belief that Saddam Hussein, the leader of Iraq, possessed weapons of mass destruction and was developing a nuclear weapons program, which posed a significant threat to the United States and its allies. The U.S. government also accused Iraq of having links to terrorist organizations, including al-Qaeda. Al-Qaeda was the Islamic extremist group responsible for the 9-11 attacks. The U.S. government also argued that the invasion was necessary to remove Saddam Hussein from power and to bring democracy to Iraq. I mean, it's always about democracy. There were concerns about human rights violations and the repression of minority groups under Saddam's regime, as well as the need to stabilize the region and prevent the spread of terrorism. Just hours before the invasion is the scene of our story today. At around 4 a.m. local time on March 18, 2003, a group of looters, many of whom were reportedly members of the Ba'ath Party, loyal to Saddam Hussein, broke into the central bank of Iraq's vaults in Baghdad. Upon hearing news of the impending invasion, the bank's guards had actually fled, leaving the vaults mostly unguarded. I guess they're kind of smart. The Ba'ath Party is a political party that was founded in Syria in the 1940s and later expanded to Iraq and other Arab countries. The party espoused a pan-Arab nationalist ideology, seeking to unite the Arab world under a single political entity. The Ba'ath Party came in and out of power from its founding in Iraq in 1954 until the ascent to power by Saddam Hussein in 1979. Under Saddam's leadership, the Ba'ath Party became synonymous with his own cult of personality and brutal authoritarian rule. During Saddam's reign, the Ba'ath Party maintained tight control over all aspects of Iraqi society, using violence, intimidation, and propaganda to suppress political opposition and dissent. The party was responsible for numerous human rights abuses, including mass executions, torture, and the use of chemical weapons against civilians. In the early morning hours of March 18th, these looters broke straight into the vaults. They snagged large amounts of cash, gold bullion, jewelry, and other valuable items. Three tractor trailers pulled out of the Central Bank of Iraq at 6 a.m. with their cargo, a full quarter of the country's currency reserves. In total, they seized around $900 million in $100 bills and a further 100 million euros. If you're counting, the value of the stolen goods was around $1 billion. That's billion with a P. And with the way inflation is going in these 2023 days, we're looking at $1.6 billion. That's billion with a, with a B. The looting of the Central Bank of Iraq was part of a wider pattern of lawlessness and chaos that swept across the country in the aftermath of the U.S. invasion. Many public institutions, including hospitals, schools, and government buildings, were ransacked and destroyed, and much of the country's infrastructure was left in ruins. Many cultural institutions and archaeological sites in Iraq were targeted by looters, including the Iraq Museum, the National Library of Iraq, and the National Archives of Iraq. Initial reporting by the New York Times early after the heist indicated that Qusay Hussein, Saddam's second son, was responsible for the heist. One story about the possible way the heist went down goes as follows. 
anticipating the American invasion. Saddam Hussein predicted that he would soon have trouble moving around the country and would need access to some liquid assets. So he sent Qusay and Amid al-Hamid Mahmoud, his former personal assistant, to the central bank to do his dirty work. They arrived in the middle of the night with a handwritten note from Qusay's dad, Saddam, demanding that the $1 billion be released from the vaults. They also brought five Iraqi officials with them to the bank, the director of the central bank, the Iraqi finance minister, and the director of the Iraqi treasury. Those officials, Amid and Kusay, supervised the transfer of funds into the three trucks, which took nearly two hours. That's a lot of loot to be transported, so I guess that checks out. And no one even questioned it, because according to an unnamed Iraqi bank official, quote, when you get an order from Saddam Hussein, you do not discuss it, end quote. The three trucks drove off just before employees showed up for work that day. If this is the way that it went down, it turns out that this might not have been a crime at all. Despite the rather aggressive forced withdrawal in the middle of the night, this taking of funds may not have been illegal. Saddam Hussein was an absolute dictator, and he had direct control over every aspect of the country, including the central bank. It's possible the money was even Saddam's money to begin with, since he had been ruling Iraq for over two decades. Evidently, however, Saddam had mostly left money alone in the banks during his regime. The same Iraqi official claimed that although the president and his family occasionally demanded cash from Iraqi banks, they never did so in the quantities claimed to have been seized on March 18th. The official would say, quote, sometimes they would come for small amounts, maybe $5 million, end quote. Just small amounts, you know, like $5 million, little, little bits. Additionally, this was only a part of the pattern of kleptocratic behavior from Saddam in the latter days of his dictatorship. And yes, I said kleptocratic because that's a word I just learned and I love it. According to Middle Eastern banking sources, additional sums of millions of dollars were transferred into private accounts abroad as the impending invasion loomed. Some theories as to what the plan was for all that cash money included that Saddam was planning to hop the border to escape the American invasion. A team of U.S. Army special forces near the Iraqi-Syrian border reported seeing three trucks, matching the description of those seen at the bank, crossing the border. Other intelligence officials believed that Saddam would use the money to fund the safe transport of his family and friends out of the country, as well as to whip up resistance inside Iraq while the Americans advanced. I will say that there is no direct proof that Qusay Hussein was involved in the looting of the Central Bank of Iraq on March 18, 2003. However, given his involvement in criminal activities and his positions of power within the regime, it is probable that he played this role in the theft. Both Qusay and his brother Uday were known for their brutal behavior and their involvement in corruption and criminal activities during their time in power. They were also known to have large sums of money at their disposal, much of which was believed to have been acquired through illegal means. Yeah, they had some experience. Anyway, Whatever the plans were for the money, it did not quite work out for the Hussein family. After the U.S. invasion of Iraq, Uday and Qusay went into hiding, but were eventually tracked down by U.S. forces in July 2003 in Mosul. 
Cusay, the apparent heir to the Baathist regime, and his older brother Uday would meet their end in an ill-advised encounter with the U.S. Army's 101st Airborne Division and a team of special forces operators. Americans were tipped off by one of the other guests of the house they were staying in who wanted the $30 million reward. American troops began firing anti-tank missiles, 12 in all, into the house, killing everyone inside. During the raid on their hideout, large amounts of cash and other valuables were discovered, indicating that the brothers had access to significant financial resources. Their father, Saddam Hussein, was captured by U.S. forces on December 13, 2003, near his hometown of Tikrit, Iraq. After his capture, he was held in custody by U.S. forces and later transferred to the custody of the Iraqi government to stand trial for his crimes. He was eventually convicted and executed in 2006. The Ba'ath Party was dissolved by the U.S. and banned from participating in Iraqi politics, but they continue to exist, and some Ba'athist groups engage in violent activities across the region. In the days and weeks that followed the heist, coalition forces managed to find an estimated $650 million of the money taken. They found stashes of money in one of Uday's palaces, as well as caches of stashed money throughout the country. They also found evidence of other loot, including treasures from the country's museums, which showed up in international art markets, and books from the country's national library, which were found piled up in a mosque. Despite efforts to recover all of the stolen assets from the Central Bank of Iraq, much of the loot remains missing to this day. You know, a little amount, small amount, you know, $350 million, just a little bit. The theft of the Central Bank's assets was a major setback for the reconstruction of Iraq's economy and institutions, and it underscored the challenges faced by the international community in rebuilding the country after years of war and dictatorship. It is also estimated that tens of thousands of artifacts and artworks were stolen or destroyed during this period, resulting in a significant loss of cultural heritage for Iraq and the world. After the Iraq invasion, a protracted conflict ensued, with coalition forces facing resistance from Iraqi insurgents and sectarian violence. The war resulted in significant loss of life, both civilian and military, and is estimated to have cost trillions of dollars. In 2011, U.S. troops officially withdrew from Iraq, though instability and violence continued in the country. The legacy of the war remains controversial, with ongoing debates about its justifications and its impact on Iraq, the Middle East, and the world as a whole. Today, Iraq is still dealing with a number of issues, including political unrest, economic difficulties, and persistent security worries. The nation has been working hard to recover and rebuild after decades of war, hostility, and sanctions. In addition, sectarian strife, terrorist assaults, and violence from extremist groups like ISIS have been problems for Iraq. Other significant problems include a lack of effective government and political corruption. The COVID-19 outbreak put a further burden on Iraq's already precarious healthcare and economic systems, aggravating problems like high unemployment and insufficient infrastructure. However, several encouraging improvements have occurred recently, such as increased security and a growing sense of stability in various parts of the country. The Central Bank of Iraq heist on March 18, 2003, remains one of the most significant looting incidents that occurred during the U.S. invasion of Iraq and is the largest bank heist in world history, if you consider it a heist. Thanks for hanging out with me. 
I don't think I got too political. Did I get too political? Eh, hop on over to YouTube and leave me a nasty comment if I got too political. Anyway, you know the drill. Like, subscribe, leave a review, ring the bell, leave a nasty comment, like my photos on Instagram, talk to me on Facebook, read my tweets, blah, blah, blah. Next week, we're coming back to America, and indeed to one of my favorite cities in America, for an incident in the late 1980s that you probably didn't see, unless you were watching a very specific channel at a very specific time on a very specific day. But it's still an incident that remains unsolved today, and one that absolutely freaks me out. I'll see you next week. And remember, if you get the opportunity, use your billion dollars in stolen money to find a better hideout.